This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today I am delighted to have Johnny Mueller. Johnny Mueller is the host of the number one expat podcast, The Expat Files. So Johnny, welcome. Hi, Callan. How are you doing? I am doing great. And perhaps you could take this opportunity to tell people, you know, out of all of the Latin American countries, why Guatemala? Well, it turns out that Guatemala gets really bad marks on the state, U.S. State Department list as a very dangerous kind of blacklisted country. Uh, it's on a list with, with Honduras, Salvador. So, so it, it even wasn't on my first, it wasn't on my, uh, my agenda either. And I've been in and out of Guatemala going to the airport, things like that. You know, because when, when you're traveling around through Latin America, it's a big hub. The, the city of Guatemala has a, the biggest airport hub. Well, it's now, it used to be the biggest. It's second to uh, Panama now. But uh, so you ended up in the Guatemala airport, and all you saw was the airport. I mean, I saw the airport 10 times before I ever actually spent any time in the city because I was, you know, hanging around in Cartagena and Panama City and stuff, Costa Rica. Well, turns out, this, you'll like this story. I, I was, uh, you know, like I said, I never took Spanish, right? And I was in Costa Rica with the gringos, hanging with the gringos, because that's all you have down there. So I couldn't, I couldn't quite learn my Spanish. I was always with gringos. That's a problem. If you're always with gringos, you're just not going to learn your Spanish. So, uh, uh, you know, three, four years, uh, uh, my Spanish is still isn't good. I couldn't even hardly understand the, the cleaning ladies talking about me behind my back, you know. <laughs> all the good stuff, all good stuff. But uh, so a friend of mine in Costa Rica who's a hotel builder, he's building hotel in Costa Rica, he's a gringo, he says, listen, I own a part of a, of a uh, Radisson, uh, it's a Radisson Suites, it's in Antigua, Guatemala. Now Antigua, Guatemala has a lot of Spanish schools, it's noted for, um, you know, immersion programs. Now remember, and this is 20 years ago now, this is before even Antigua Guatemala was on the map with, with backpackers. Yeah. You know? So he gave me the keys to his condo. He says, go there for six months. Go to Antigua Guatemala. Now, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll try it. It seems okay. Radisson, how could I go wrong in a Radisson, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to, to Antigua Guatemala, and it's a different world. I mean, the place is as safe as Iowa, you know, at least at the time. I mean, it's a little more everything's a little more dangerous now, right? Right. Anyway, I, I spent a year, over a year in Antigua. And during that time, remember, you can only speak Spanish in Antigua, at least back then. So you have to learn. You have to learn when you're, with, you're thrown in with the, you know, the mix there. And funny enough, I never had been in the bar business before. I had a lot of businesses in, in, in my day. And one uh, guy at my, in my Spanish school, a Belgian guy, Belgian-Canadian, uh, he's a crack bartender at a, at a place in Belgium. 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 I can't even mix my Spanish up here. And, uh, <laughs> anyway. It happens all of us. That happens, right? So, so we started a business. It, I mean, a bar business. I was the silent partner, kind of, and it just went gangbusters, man. Just 
because we, we gave it the gringo touch. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't even plan on, I plan on learning my Spanish there. I ended up having like the hottest bar in Antigua, which I got, I sold out right away because it's just a little too high profile for me. I see. <laughs> but uh, I like to stay under, I like to stay under the radar because no one bothers you and everything, you know. So uh, the point is, uh, I ended up having this huge success. I stayed in Antigua for maybe a year, year and a half. And um, I got to tell you, uh, Guatemala City is about an hour drive from there, from Antigua. And um, people would always say, all the gringos I'd run into in these Spanish classes and stuff, I'd say, you know, uh, how are you doing? How are things going here? Oh, I love Antigua, but I get cabin fever. There's only 10 or 15,000 people here. I really would love to go to Guatemala City, but it's so dangerous. I hear people are getting shot and killed and kidnapped all the time. I said, where'd you hear that from? Oh, I read it on the U.S. Uh, State Department website, you know. And I said, oh, is that right? And, and then there was some very, very kind of um, curious gringos that would take a bus once a week. It was a shuttle bus from Antigua to a big shopping center right on the edge of Guatemala City. So I said, What's, where, where's this bad part of Guatemala City everybody's still talking about? So then I started, uh, when I, I bought a car and I started driving into Guatemala City every couple of days and I found all the bad areas and knew exactly where to stay away from because you map those out. Guatemala City has 25 districts, you know, they're called zones. And half of those zones, I would never recommend anybody go in day or night. The other half, you could practically walk around with your wallet on your head, you know, and nothing will happen. So you just have to know your area. So, and it's true. Half of that city is a, you know, a, a war zone, but the other half is, I mean, there are very wealthy people in Latin America. Did you know that Guatemala has the highest number of helicopters per capita in the world? I didn't know per that. Capita? Yeah, there's more helicopters per person in Guatemala in that country. A little backwards country. It's not a backwards country, believe me. Anyway, so that's how I ended up going in and out of Guatemala. I got to know all about Guatemala. and. Uh, um, of course, then I ended up building a house in a couple of places on the beach, and then I, you know, you just end up in a place, and, and I liked it a lot, and I know exactly what the good parts and the bad parts of the city are, and uh, I'm not in the city, by the way, I'm right on the border of Guatemala and uh, El Salvador, so, so that's where I am, I'm kind of in the coffee fields. Ah, okay. And, and, and yeah, like definitely Guatemala is one of the more overlooked uh, countries in Latin America. You know, often uh, most expats, they, they head for Mexico, they head for Costa Rica, they head for Panama, uh, Colombia, uh, Ecuador. Even Ecuador is becoming uh, oversaturated uh, with expats now. So, um, Guatemala, uh, definitely, I mean, from listening to your show, uh, you, you know, you being the prime expert on Guatemala, Guatemala definitely uh, has uh, a, a lot of pros. And also from what I've, you know, from what I read on websites, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, I, you know, I, I don't read the State Department website, so I'm not, I'm not moved by, uh, by their, uh, their fear mongering. So when it comes to Mexico, often most Americans, they come, they go to Mexico, before they go anywhere. See, Mexico has the highest expat population in the world. Uh, there's almost 1.5 million people in Mexico right now. Uh, and obviously, it, it, it's one of the neighbors of the U.S. It makes it more convenient for people to uh, expatriate to Mexico. Uh, I live in Mexico myself. Uh, I, uh, t today, I will be moving off, I will be moving off the Gringo Tourist Trail, uh, I'm happy to say. Uh, it's, to, it's, to, it's to another uh, Mexican uh, t t uh, city, uh, it's much smaller, uh, and, and we'll talk about that as we go on. But 
let's take this opportunity, Johnny, to talk about some comparisons for Guatemala and Mexico. Uh, perhaps you know, perhaps I'll start off, and then and then you can you can add some contrast, some of your insights to it as well uh, about Mexico. Uh, for me, um, I've been an expat for almost altogether. All I would say my expat experience is about 18 to 19 months, so a little over a year and a half. Ecuador, uh, now Mexico. And uh, I've been in Mexico now for seven months. And obviously, um, you know, I think what the mainstream media does have right is the border states. You know, but obviously it's, it's misleading, uh, they exaggerate, they blow out of proportion, and they make it appear that the whole country is like that. Now, Mexico has 31 states. Uh, well, I guess 31 and a half, you have 31 states, and then you have the District Federal, also known as DEFE, they call it here. Uh, when you look at the 31 states, now obviously the border states are probably, are, well not probably, are, the border states are the most dangerous states. So and I, I believe on the border there's about five states on the border, five Mexican states that borders the U.S. Okay, so that's five states there, which leaves you with 26 states. Um, you do have you do have a few states in Mexico that are sketchy. It, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, for example, for example, Guerrero, uh, which the capital I believe is Acapulco. Uh, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, I definitely would recommend that place. Uh, you know, so, you know. I have a friend who lives there. Uh, he says it's great, uh, but I also know people there who don't feel comfortable there. So uh, it's not it's not a place that I would recommend. And I would definitely say why that place may be a bit safer than the border states, it's still sketchy and it's not a place I would recommend. There's also a, there's also a few other sketchy uh, uh, states as well. So I would say, you know, the five border states, when it comes to sketchy states, I would say about four to five more, uh, which leaves about 20, 20 states left. Now, those 20 states, obviously, uh, you know, looking at, looking at the, um, the, according to the recent uh, statistics of Mexico, um, those other 20 states are quite safe. Obviously, there are safer states than others, but those, but those other 20 states are quite safe. And uh, I think, I think, I think it does a disservice for uh, you know the U.S. State Department, Homeland Security, these big federal agencies, to uh, uh, place so much fear into Americans that they don't want to travel at all. They don't want to travel to Mexico. Uh, they don't want to travel to Guatemala. They don't want to travel to uh, these other countries because they think it's dangerous. They think they're gonna get kidnapped. They think they're gonna get raped. But um, uh, in my experience, I haven't had any problems. I haven't been, I haven't been shot. I haven't been stabbed. I haven't been kidnapped. I haven't been raped. Um, you know, you know, I've actually had a different set of problems and we'll talk about it in a little bit as far as on and off the Gringo Tourist Trail. But what would you say to all that, Johnny? Well, I would, I would say that, uh, you know, having spent a lot of time in Mexico, you know, when you're in Guatemala or Honduras and you're not a resident, you have to go out of the country every 90 days and get a stamp on your passport. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, your listeners know that. So if you're in Guatemala, you either gotta have to go to um, Honduras or you have to go to El Salvador or, uh, or Mexico. And a lot of people pop up, a lot of gringos pop up uh, to Mexico because it's a straight shot from Antigua. You know, Antigua has the most gringos, Antigua, Guatemala, because like I said, that's the place that uh, has this old colonial uh, uh, capital. It was the ex-colonial capital of Guatemala until a big earthquake hit. Now, all these beautiful, it's got over 100 colonial ruins, over 100. 
It's a little tiny town, but a lot of gringos because gringos have set up, you know, once they set up shop, they open up little area, little restaurants and stuff. Anyway, so a lot of them have to pop off every 90 days. And you know what they always report to me about that? They say, now remember, they're on Highway CA1. That's the Pan American Highway, right? Yeah. yeah everybody, that's the biggest road. You can take it from Alaska all the way down to Panama. You probably, everybody's read that or heard about that in a geography class, probably. CA1, which is the Pan American Highway. It goes through Los Angeles and San Francisco area. Anyway, so you get on that, that road, drive about three hours from Antigua, Guatemala, and you hit Tal, I can't even pronounce it, I always get it, Telechupa, or whatever. Anyway, it's, a, it's the border town on Mexico side, and all these guys have to stay overnight, because that's the rule. Now, it used to be just could pop across the border, pay some guy, you know, 10 bucks, and they'd stamp your passport, you know, expedite it. Now you have to stay overnight, because the Mexicans say that they don't want people coming from Guatemala or Honduras or any place to not blow a little money there, right? While they're, while they're coming to get their stamp there. Or, it's, or else they won't stamp your passport, how's that? So anyway, you stay overnight there and everybody reports to me that, was this, that when they hit the Guatemala side, when they drive back through the Guatemala side, you know, stay at a hotel 10 miles into the Mexican side, come, it's like the people are, all of a sudden a veil is lifted. Just kind of, they're kind of perkier, they're more talkative, they're more happy, more smiling. The cops, become human in Guatemala. They, you, they're not gonna, they're, they're not out to get you because there's hardly any gringos in Guatemala, right? There's hardly yeah. any. So there's none of this, let's get the gringo, let's extort the gringo. Let's, you know, they've got no experience in extortion. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like in Mexico, there's so many gringos. I've been there many times. I pulled over by cops all over the place in Mexico. And you know, some of them cops are nice, but most of them are looking for a handout. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not saying that they're going to kidnap you. That might be true on the border states of the United States. You hear stories like that all the time. But it seems to me it's more the crime. Uh, the crime in Mexico is more gang on gang or Mexican on Mexican. You know, yeah. and if gringos happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's going to be them too, right? Right, right. But you don't see that when you hit Honduras, Guatemala, the cops, I'll tell you what, the cops are out for a handout everywhere, you know, they only make 300 or 400 bucks a month. So they're out for a handout, but they're out for $15 in Guatemala and they're out for 200 in Mexico. How's that? Right. Does, that does that wind it up for you? Yeah. Let me stop you right there, Johnny. You make a good point as far as about the um, the the, the, ex, the expat population uh, it, it, in the in Mexico. Uh, it's all, again, it's almost about 1.5 million people. I think the last statistic was like 1.42. Uh, what would you say? Uh, you know, based on maybe what you see in the papers, what would you say the expat population in Guatemala is? I would say now. Remember, uh, Guatemala has about 15 million people total of your know, population guy i would say and that this is, might be a oh god if if they've got ten thousand gringos in in uh, in in all of guatemala i would say that's <clears throat> that's about it i would say ten thousand wow yeah so so yeah that that's that's definitely uh, a significant difference and, uh, and, and, and I can see how you know cops would be much nicer and just and just kind of life in general would be too because I'll be honest you know I you know I like to take a very objective approach to uh, Mexico I'm not one of those gringos that you know move there and you know you know re you know wear these rosy colored glasses and think that Mexico is the best country in the world and you know and kind of want to turn a blind eye to a lot of the ongoing issues that go on you know I definitely you know I definitely I definitely agree with you uh, as far as you know what you say about you know the police and, and you know and, and, there, and there, obviously there's a lot of other issues you know I mean uh, but for me you know uh, I still think it's one of the better uh, countries 
uh, in the world as far as cost of living, as far as quality of life. And we want to get into that, uh, you know, in a little bit. But uh, but but that's what really makes the difference of being on the Gringo Tourist Trail and that's off the Gringo Tourist Trail. And and listeners, I you know, I just want to let you know that is not my uh, term. That is Johnny's term. That's his term. I, you know, he coined that term, and I, and I happen to be quite fond of it. Uh, something something I like to uh, say as well. But uh, that's what makes the difference of being on or off the Gringo Tourist Trail. And uh, you know, just you know, you know, just being being open. Uh, I, I don't mind telling people where, where I'm at now because I'll be leaving today. I'll be moving to a different uh, Mexican uh, city. But uh, I've started living in San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel de Allende is definitely on the Gringo Tourist Trail. It is the second biggest expat community in Mexico. Uh, Lake Chapala is number one, but it's it's not a significant difference in population. But uh, San Miguel is the second biggest. So I, I could talk for hours about uh, the disadvantages of being on the Gringo Tour Show. There are a few advantages, you know. I mean, you probably would agree as far as when it comes to the fluency. I mean, obviously you can get by with English when you, when you want to get on a tourist trail because pretty much uh, there's a significant expat population and a lot of people speak English. But I'm going to let you t get into more of that because, uh, you know, again, you know, being you know, t t uh, 25 plus years uh, Latin America, uh, you definitely could break it down more succinctly than I. Uh, perhaps if you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably hear some dogs barking over here. This is, by the way, you know, New Year's Day we're doing this uh, this interview on. So, so if you hear any bombs and rockets going off, it's not gunshots, okay? It's because <laughs> people just absolutely love. Hey, I'm sure, Kellen, last night was it like crazy bombs bursting in the air and all that for you too? Oh, it was. It was. What I did uh, to because uh, it was it's about midnight. What I did. I actually quadrupled my dose of melatonin because I knew that if I laid in my bed, I wasn't going to fall asleep with all the fireworks and stuff like that. So, I, like I said, I quadrupled my dose of melatonin, and it took me about, about 20, 25 minutes, but I was able to fall asleep. But, yeah, it, was, it started here about, I want to say, started here about uh, 9 o'clock. And it went, and uh, and uh, you know, I was talking to one of my neighbors today. They said it went all the way until about you know, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's just normal here. So you know, because fireworks are just one thousand percent legal. You know, anything you want, and you can get down here. I know back in Chicago, you got sparkler. They'll you know they'll they'll find you two hundred dollars if you got too many sparklers on you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to take a moment to tell you about DreamHost. DreamHost.com is the award-winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com, PC's Magazine, best web hosting service. Yeah, anyway, I, you know, about the Gringo, uh, the, the fact that the, often on the Gringo Tourist Trail, the other term that I coined is, uh, is the Gringo Advantage. That's my term also, if you ever hear that, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you know, I I gotta tell you, I could be in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, or I could be in Guatemala City, and I could walk. You now this is no, take Guatemala City. There's there's four million people in the metropolitan area, about two million in the city. I could walk around for an entire day and not see another gringo. How about that? 
in a city yeah. like that, in a metropolitan city. Now, of course, if I go to a business district, I'm going to see a lot of people that look like gringos. But if I walked up to them, they're going to be speaking in broken English, if any, you know, because the high end, the people like with the master's degrees, and they come from the wealthier segments of population and they kind of self-selected their genes. You know, they marry uh, taller people, lighter people. You know how it goes. It's a classist system yeah. in Latin America. You got you to know that. It's just... Everywhere is classist, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, racist and classist depends on the country, but they have, they have it all going, right? Because yeah. they do discriminate down here against short people. You've known that, right? Yeah. Because a lot of indigenous people, they're never short. Some of them are hanging in around five foot tall, you know? Yeah. And so they discriminate on the basis of that and the basis of their clothing because indigenous wear, you know, that's another subject we could talk about another day. That's that's a good subject to actually talk about. No, but, hey, uh, hey, yeah, uh, let's, let's actually, let's actually take a, you know, a few, few uh, a, a minute or so to get into it uh, because in Mexico, I'm not sure if they use the same uh, terms, Johnny, but in Mexico, I definitely, because um, my, my Mexican friends definitely kind of giving the 401 about it. They said there's four uh, four words to kind of describe uh, the type. They said there is a uh, negrito or negrita. There is moreno or morena, and then there's like uh, yopenada or yopenada, which is like you know I guess yellow skin. And then there is blanco. And basically, you know, they have told me basically what you're saying as far as how you know there's discrimination, you know, based on a person's skin complexion. And uh, you know, and obviously and that's. Height. Go ahead. I said and and height. And height. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true too. Height and the U.S. the height thing is not so much of a big deal as it is in Latin America, but the skin complexion obviously it is, uh, especially uh, when it when it comes to race. But you know, you know, I, I think I told you this before on, on another occasion, Johnny. But would you believe that I don't? You know, all the racism that I have experienced has never been from Mexicans. From, it's been from other Mexicans, and I think. That's one of, especially if you're a minority, you know, you know, if you're listening, you're a minority. That's definitely one of the disadvantages of being on the Gringo Tourist Trail, because uh, 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 most of the people in Mexico, uh, they come from Texas and California, and people will say, well, well, California is liberal, and Texas, you know, in Texas is not that bad. And but the thing about it is, you know, they have the idea that everyone from California is not racist. It's pretty naive. Also have. And which which is which here in uh, San Miguel de Allende, you also have a lot of uh, people who come from these Midwest states, you know, like uh, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, like, you know, states that has pretty much no minority population. And when they see me, it's like, like, wow, it's like, for them, it's like the first time they've actually seen uh, a black person or another minority in real life, because in those states, they don't exist there because, uh, that, that, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and that's one of the disadvantages of being on the Gringo Tourist Trail. But, you know, as far as, you know, you know, as far as in San Miguel, again, I have never had any racial discrimination whatsoever, whatsoever from other Mexicans. You know, they've always been nice, always been friendly, always interested in learning about you. And I think that's probably the same case probably when it comes to any, uh, you know, I would say probably most Latin American countries. Would you agree with that, Johnny? Yeah, you know, and I have a really funny story. I was with a friend of mine from Chicago. He came down for the first time to see, you know, my lifestyle because he was, you know, they're all worried about you that you're, you fell, you know, every time there's an earthquake or uh, a chicken bus flips over and somebody's dead, I, I get the phone call like, did that happen? Is that you? Were you in that chicken bus? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. that too. The, the big hurricane in Mexico, you know, I tell people I'm not in Acapulco. Like, I had like, 
a dozen phone calls. People call me, are you okay? <laughs> exactly. They think that you could you know, swing a dead cat and hit every gringo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I take this friend of mine. He's never been out of the country before. That, those, are the, those are the funniest and the worst types, you know, who've never been out of the country. Now they're in Guatemala, you know, the, you know like the deep, dark, uh, you know, cesspool of that the State Department says it is. We go to this town on the, on the Caribbean side. It's an island, basically. It's called Livingston. It's all black. I mean, oh, let's say 98% black. Like, uh, you know, it came from the plantations and stuff from years ago, right? It's little yeah. places. It's isolated. They call them garifonos. You ever hear that term, garifono? They have a, their own language and everything, you know? Wow. And then, so it must be like, a, I guess, maybe like an indigenous They language? speak perfect English and speak... Yes, it's a it's an island language. It's like based off Jamaican. It's some other, you know, some mix of these languages that turned out to end, end up being called Garifano. And you know, I can't uh, understand it. It's not English, but they also speak English and Spanish, right? But they're okay. black. So, and 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 uh, this little town is maybe only five thousand people. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's like going back in time. I go there all the time just to relax, right? Yeah. Got to take a boat to get there. You got to take like a half an hour boat to get there, right? Right. It's uh, it's actually not an island. It's a peninsula, but you can't really drive there because the backside of it is just not developed. This is a Guatemalan's Caribbean coast. It's a tiny little strip. And, uh, uh, and, and okay, so I, I like to go there. So I took my friend there because it's beautiful. And we're walking. We just get off the boat. And right on the left side, there's a big basketball court, like a public court, you know, like a public park, you know, Central Park. And there's all these little kids playing, and they got these gangsters. They got gold chains on. They got like these uh, pants that have fallen down their butts a little bit. And, and he goes, oh, let's go the other way. Let's not walk through there. I said, why? He said, well, look, man, you know. I said, are you nuts? And I had to explain to him that these people have never been out of this little town. And they're just getting care packages from their relatives up in New York. They're sending yeah. them clothes down in jeans and stuff. And they're all dressed up like little, little you know, 10-year-old gangsters. And they're the nicest people in the world. And we walk through there, and they're all saying hi. They even know my name and everything because they've seen me there before. And they're just, they wouldn't hurt a soul. They're really polite. You know, that Caribbean politeness, you know what I mean? They yeah. got that politeness going. And that, and because it's a Caribbean thing, right? And, I, and, he, and he had the prejudice in his mind. My friend had this built-in Chicago thing. Is You don't want to walk through that area because they're going to, you know, jump you or something, you know. Yeah. And that, so that just gives you an idea that it's all different. It's, you know, the perspective. How small is your little slice of life back in the States? That's what's going to affect you and how you're going to look at the world. That's why traveling and getting your boots on the ground really opens your mind up to that stuff. And you really get a different perspective. Great. And uh, kind of talking more about on and off the Gringo Tourist Trail, that kind of ties in with the cost of living. And uh, for myself, uh, uh, it, it, honestly, I would say, you know, Johnny, you know, his life and style in Guatemala definitely has me beat here in Mexico. But Mexico is still good for, for a lot of people who are considering uh, Mexico. Like, for example, just to give people an idea. Uh, if if you want to uh, uh, if you want to check out the first place that I had, uh, you can definitely go to YouTube, type in the expat life of an international best-selling author, and you will see the house that I had. Uh, it was a three-bedroom house. It, it was it was it was like really huge, but I would say it's a three-bedroom house about you know uh, about fifteen hundred square feet, and I and I paid uh, three hundred and eighty-five dollars a month U.S. and uh, and, and you know, for, for for many people, you know, I mean that 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 supersedes uh, what kind of deal you can get in the U.S. Now, obviously, you know, the location probably wasn't. 
probably the most ideal. It wasn't it wasn't downtown. It was definitely uh, on the outskirts of the city of uh, San Miguel, and uh, I only got that deal because I negotiated. You know, I wasn't I wasn't one of those gringos that just you know they they get fed a price and they take it. You know, uh, you know, for many people, if you really want to get the best deals, and Johnny can can tell you and probably going in more in depth is you really have to uh, know how to negotiate. And it's not something it's not it's not something hard. You know, it's just it's just you have to understand that they're willing to make a deal. Um, but at the same time, they're willing to uh, sell you at their price if you're not going to budge. So, uh, but after that, uh, another place that I have, um, uh, you know, it, it kind of fluctuates with the the peso and the U.S. dollar. Uh, it was a two-bedroom apartment, uh, which is and it's a bit closer to uh, it's a bit closer to the the centro, the downtown, and that one is, and that one is about anywhere. Like I said, it, it depends on the uh, the exchange rate between three hundred and three hundred and ten dollars a month, and that's all utilities uh, included. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and it's fully furnished and that as well. But, uh, you know, places like, and, and for me, again, you know, I, I'm not lucky. It's just, again, you know, uh, I know how to negotiate. And obviously, uh, the, the initial prices that were offered to me were, 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 significant, were significantly higher. So uh, it, it wasn't so much about trying to stay, live there for a year. It wasn't all about that. It's just about negotiating. You have to know a, you have to know a person's uh, a pain point. Like for example, you know, one tip for the listeners. You know, one question I ask them is, how long has it been vacant? You know, now obviously, you know, most most Latins are honest. They'll say, well, yeah, I've been looking for a few months, maybe a year. Well, you can take advantage of that situation. Well, you can use that as leverage. You know, you know, and and that, and that can often get you a better deal because you can you can you can use that as a pressure point. Well, hey, you know, I, I guess if you want to wait a few more months to make no more money, like there's things like that you can use. Uh, when it comes to food, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, things like uh, uh, let's say a pineapple. A pineapple here, a uh, pineapple in the U.S. is probably about four dollars, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, a pineapple here is about uh, 90, 85 cents. Okay, uh, an avocado here, uh, it's about uh, forty cents. Okay. Uh, now again, now that's that. Those are those are prices according to San Miguel de Allende, which is on the Gringo Tourist Trail. Uh, some of the places that I have been off the Gringo Tourist Trail. Uh, prices have been lower. Rents have been lower. Just everything has been lower in general. But uh, I'll take this opportunity to let Johnny uh, talk about his lifestyle because, uh, uh, again, it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, he gets the same quality of lifestyle in a different country, but also less. So perhaps, Johnny, you could take the opportunity and talk about rent, talk about uh, food, talk about health care of those sorts. Well, first of all, I have to say that um, we got that lag time thing going. I remember I mentioned that everything that happens up in the first world happens here some years or months later, usually years. They've got a huge building boom going on in all the big cities in Latin America. They, they're in a building bubble. They're in a real estate bubble that's going to blow pretty soon. It's You see it all over the place. I don't know how much, how much it is over by you in, uh, in Mexico there, but uh, uh, down here, uh, it's absolutely a renter's market. You can well, I, I, I can tell you. I can tell you for sure. Just to give you an idea. Uh, like, and this is one of the disadvantages of uh, on the Gringo Tourist Trail. Now, honestly, Johnny, it bothers me because, uh, like I said, you know, I, I, you know, I'm more of a, like a nice guy, humanitarian guy. But like, 
the rents are the uh, you know housing in general whether you want to rent a house buy a house or rent an apartment it is so overpriced here that local Mexicans cannot afford apartments here. They have to live in like uh, these, these these smaller towns on the outskirts because it's too expensive to live in the city. Like for example, I know a Mexican. You know, actually not not one, but I actually know several Mexicans, and they make anywhere between, uh, you know, I want to say uh, you know, thirty-eight hundred to about forty-two hundred pesos. Okay, but that's what they make. They make between thirty-eight hundred to about forty-two hundred pesos per month. The apartments here start off at about 4,000 pesos a month, which makes it almost impossible. You know, I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, you know, they may get lucky and find something that's like 3,500, maybe like 3,200. But still, with those, well, with those prices, it's unsustainable for uh, Mexicans to actually continue to live in a city and actually forces them out of the city. So that's actually one of the disadvantages. But uh, just, to, just to add to that, Johnny, that's kind of one of the real estate problems that's here in San Miguel. Well, you know, that's a, a, a bundle of problems that a lot of gringos, we have caused some of that stuff. I would say that in a lot of the big cities that have the building bubble, like for example, right now in Colombia, you know, in Cali and uh, Medellin, there's a big building boom there. Because if you talk to any of the developers, the real estate developers, you know what they, you know what they say to you? First of all, they never, they don't know that we had a real estate blowout bubble in 2007 and 8. They, they never experienced that down here. That was too long ago, you know. So they never had that, you know, because they didn't have that gringo component and they don't have a financing component with the banks. The banks don't uh, give zero interest down loan. They do not, you know, you have to have like 20 and 30 percent down if you want to get a house loan from the bank. So it's still uh, the lag time again. Down here, the, the banks are still conservative, right? They didn't right. have that crap that they did in the States that created the bubble. So anyway, down here, um, if you talk to a real estate guy and you tell them there was a blowout in the United States, you know, 50, that everybody was underwater, they don't know what you're talking about because they don't, never experienced it. And they're, they're, so they're creating the very same thing themselves. Credit's getting looser. And you know what they tell me now? Hey, the gringo, we're becoming famous around the world. The gringos are coming down and the Europeans are coming. So. Even if our own people can't afford the places we're building, uh, it will be the gringos and the Europeans that rush in and rent and buy. So they have that in like this kind of fantasy in their mind that it's going to be this huge rush down and it's going to be all this first world money. So that's fueling the bubble too. You know? So it's it, down here anyway, off the gringo tourist trail, it's a huge renter's market. By you, you're on the tourist trail. So it, it's like Costa Rica. There's, you know, it's, everything's expensive down there. Even yeah. though you say that your apartments are 300, 400 a month, that's great. That's really good. And you can find that everywhere in a really nice neighborhood or subdivision in most places in Latin America, except for right in the really hot spot, the local place where the high-end restaurants and, and you know, the, the bank, the big, uh, what they call Casa Matriz, which is the, the, the bank headquarters are, you know, the business district, that's kind of high rent, not as much as first world. But uh, the thing is down here, for example, uh, I can, if you came down here and visited me, I could take you to some beautiful first world subdivisions. I mean, so beautiful that you'd think you're in upscale, you know, Farmington, New York or something like that. And beautiful area, beautiful shopping centers nearby, all high-end first world stuff. And you'll find whole city blocks empty, brand new places, brand, brand new houses, brand new uh, residential towers, empty. Yet they're all sold. How could that be? How could they be all sold and be empty? You know why? Because 
People with big cash money are buying up whole blocks of this stuff and whole floors as an investment, you know, because you can't get money, you can't get a good percentage in the banks anymore, right? Plus, they got a lot of cash money flowing around down here. A lot of, you know, this is a cash society. Like you gotta, you probably have to do a show on that too someday. It's a cash <laughs> society in Latin America. They're not by any means going to uh, change over like in the states and and try to eliminate paper money. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, three hundred, uh, four hundred dollars. I mean, it's, it, exactly. It is a great deal for for gringos. And like I said, I only pay that price because I negotiate. I mean, obviously, um, uh, lands are getting more aware that they can squeeze more money out of gringos. But uh, but you know, but you know, my main point is uh, often uh, gringos when they come down here, they pay too much. They don't negotiate. And then that justifies the price. Oh well, oh, okay. This green will pay this. This green will pay this price. So you, so you know, I'm going to keep it at this price. And and that's what creates, uh, uh, uh in a long term, uh, unsust- uh, you know, unsustainable lifestyle for local me- local Mexicans or local Latins in general, because they can't they can't live there now because the the uh, again the the gringos have uh, have now paid premium prices on buying a house, renting a house, renting an apartment. So now that has set the new standard which forced a lot of latins out of you know out, out of their own city and they have to they have to find smaller smaller uh towns to live in uh to actually be able to to make a living but uh you know you know just just for full disclosure uh san miguel de allende is actually one of the more expensive cities uh in mexico unfortunately i hate to say this but there are clueless, uh, uh, naive, or, or or just uberly wealthy gringos that pay 15, 20, 25,000 pesos for an apartment. And renting a house, they pay anywhere between 25 to 35,000 pesos uh, for a house. And personally, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't understand why, but again, when, but by them paying so much, Again, that sets a new standard, which again, in the long term, it hurts. Uh, it hurts the locals because it forces them. Uh, well, they don't have a choice. It forces them to uh, leave the city and trying to find uh, a life elsewhere. Uh, a life elsewhere, maybe in a smaller town, uh, in the outskirts of the city. So, while it is a good deal for gringos, even if they don't negotiate, I would still recommend. Like you know, I always try. I always try to tell people come to Mexico. I said the best thing you can do to contribute to the Mexican economy is uh, offer jobs, obviously pay you know better salaries, but more so pay local prices. Because again, when you don't, because, because when uh, uh, gringos, uh, Americans, however you want to call them, when, when, when they ignore that advice, that often, it, it often hurts everyone in general in the long term. Yeah, you know, I found that uh... For example, when a gringo comes in from Chicago, you're used to paying, you know, $1,500, $1,800 a month rent in Chicago. But when you come down to like Central America, Honduras, Guatemala, whatever, and you find a really nice neighborhood and, and uh, they're, they're, say, they're saying, you know, $1,000 a month for this, this condo or whatever, you, you think you're getting a great deal, man. You're paying maybe almost half of what you pay in Chicago. But if you negotiate it and don't go through realtor and never should go on the internet in the States because you're going to hit, you're going to be speaking English to a guy that knows that you're a gringo and you're going to get gringo prices and all that stuff. If you come and negotiate yourself, you probably get a $1,000 rent knocked down to six, 600 Easy. Easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm talking about, so the gringos are, it's, 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 they, they, they're, uh, their viewpoint is they got this concept of what real estate was like back home and when they see it's so much cheaper, 
They don't negotiate, but this is a, a society that, you know, they, it's based in negotiation, almost everything. Unless it's exactly. a first world franchise or something. You're not going to negotiate a hamburger at McDonald's, right? Exactly. <laughs> I agree. And uh, so, so, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, that's why, uh, and, and uh, I'll, 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 you know, Take take a moment to let uh, Johnny uh, con uh, continue to go in depth about about life is so much better off the Gringo Tourist Trail. Uh, perhaps perhaps we can get into uh, we talked we talked about kind of you know uh, housing a lot. Let's get into uh, food. Let's get into uh, healthcare. Uh, let's get into uh, let's say some of these other things. Uh, if I could start off, uh, uh, again I'm moving today. Uh, uh, be, be, being on the being uh, going off the Gringo Tourist Trail, visiting a lot of these cities that are off the Gringo Tourist Trail. Uh, they, they, you know, these towns do have tourism, but it's almost never like Gringos. It's always like you know uh, Mexicans, you know, especially here in Mexico. It's always Mexicans that's visiting these because uh, I mean they, they're more astute. They know about these towns as opposed to Gringos who just flock to Lake Chapala, San Miguel de Allende, Cancun, Playa del Carmen, uh, etc. But in these in these type of smaller towns, uh, you know, rent rent is much cheaper. Uh, uh, like for I talked to one expat, and he said that uh, a doctor visit, you know, in, in, in this town in this town I'm moving to, uh, he said that a doctor visit is only 300 pesos. In which if you convert that in U.S., that is about twenty five dollars. And uh, I mean, if you ask me, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, when, when it comes to uh, avocados, when it comes to uh, uh, chicken, when it comes to lamb, obviously lamb, venison, those type of meats are hard to find in the U.S. They're typically overpriced, well, are, are priced at a premium. Um, here, they're actually uh, a slightly bit, uh, slightly a slightly bit more expensive than chicken. But you know, overall, meats here are cheaper uh, often. Um, Often uh, the poultry is not shot with uh, antibiotics, especially if you build a relationship with the, the butcher, the farmer, um, uh, and healthcare as well. But uh, 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 off the Gringo Tourist Trail, you're going to pay significantly less prices than you are on the Gringo Tourist Trail. Do you like my show? Do you like my free content? Then I would love to have your support. I'm running a campaign for my upcoming audiobook. I want to spread awareness, but I can't do it without you. Go to Google and type in head, H-E-A-D, talker, T-A-L-K-E-R, reaching the finish line, 2016. Type that phrase in Google. And once you get to the campaign page, I'll be happy if you can support it via your preferred social media channel, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Tumblr. As you know, my goal is to help more and more people reach their finish line. I'll be grateful for your support. Uh, and also, maybe you could maybe you could talk about uh, your maybe you could talk about some of the the prices down there uh, in Guatemala, Johnny, and kind of get some contrast uh, between. I mean, I mean, I mean, whether it's Mexico or Guatemala, they're both great prices. But you know, the, the listeners, listeners, I'm quite sure maybe interested in Guatemala would be happy to hear about some of the prices of food, healthcare, and, and things of that matter. 
Well, first of all, you can get everything down here in the way of food. We're talking food now uh, that you can get up in the States. Don't think that you come down here. Well, I did when I first came 20-something years ago. We, were, we didn't have everything. I mean, that, that was before the age of pretty much the Internet, you know, that, down here anyway. And uh, you had to, they didn't even have Amazon, and you couldn't even order up the Internet back then. So, uh, but you do have everything now. In fact, you, got, you, know the, you know who the biggest employer is in all of Latin America now? Walmart. You know that, right? That's the biggest yeah. employer. Walmart's yeah, and here in Mexico, here in Mexico, uh, I, I think that's the same. Well, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think Walmart is one of the big employers because uh, in Mexico, uh, not only do they have Sam Clubs and Walmart, but they also have a Mexican version in which Walmart owns uh, this store. It's called Bodega Alrera. But I, th I think it's, it's definitely in the top three. So, so anyway, when I, I mean, that's only been in the past maybe six or seven years that Walmart has hit in a big way. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of Walmart or Costco. And Costco is all over Latin America too now. And, and they have different names for it. One of them is called Price Smart. In Central America, they call it Price Smart, like price and smart. Anyway, uh, it's Costco because when you walk in there, you got all, everything's brand uh, labeled Costco. Anyway, um, you, so, so you're, you're not ever, people say, you know, but Johnny, I, I like my uh, apricot. Crunch uh, natural 100% uh, organic uh, uh, cornmeal or whatever. It is. You know, you can get almost all that stuff down here. I'm not a big fan of Walmart and shop or, uh, or um, Costco and stuff, but you can get it. Okay, so now here's the thing. Every since I said before, it's a kind of a classist society in a different way than it is in the states. Uh, you, what I do is, and you know, I'm not proud. You know, I just, I'm, I'm just practical. And what I do is, I go like once, every, once every uh, two weeks or once every week to one of the big, gigantic outdoor markets where the farmers are bringing in their stuff every day on a little truck or something, and they're growing it nearby, within 30 kilometers, let's say, and it's all so fresh. It sells, and the fish guy comes in from the Pacific Ocean with his fish practically still moving, and they are very friendly. They love gringos down here because. You know, and even try a few gringo words on you sometimes, you know, as you're walking through because they want to be friendly. Because, like I said, we're not, we haven't contaminated the place yet. We haven't, our gringo dollars have not been, you know, they don't even take dollars. So you got to, you got to use the local funny money and stuff. That's when you know you're, out, you're not on the gringo tourist trail, by the way, anymore. Yeah. Is when they take dollars. When they don't take dollars, you know you're there. You've made it. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> unless you're in Ecuador. Because Ecuador, I think, has the dollar, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, Ecuador, um, yeah. Ecuador, Ecuador, Panama, and, uh, and uh, let's see, Ecuador, Panama, and in, uh, uh, Salvador are the only yeah. Latin countries that use the dollar for yeah. various reasons because they collapsed and all that. They're monsters. Right. But we're talking about food. So you go into these big markets. Now, it's surprising. I, when I'm in the parking lot, I, mean, I always park my car in a parking lot if I can because, you know, you don't want to park on the street if you don't want have to. I park my car in a parking lot, and occasionally there will be some big bulletproof Range Rovers there, you know. Uh, these are the very rich, and and they'll send their cleaning ladies out shopping at the big market. They don't want to step out of the car themselves, these wealthy people, because, you know, heaven forbid if they get seen in a market with the common people, right? You know where they go? They go to Walmart and they go to Costco, These the wealthy people, because you know what? It's all about the impression. It's a, it's a social status symbol, but they can shop, and it's always twice the price or three times the price in the big market to buy fruits and vegetables and pineapples and avocados and everything. But, you know, they're in there and they've got their maid with them walking down. You know, these sometimes you probably even see this. Have you seen the ladies in their maids outfits that uh, with the wealthy people walking around? Have you seen that, Colin? Uh, in San Miguel, 
No, not so much. Uh, but I, but I, but I have seen it in the bigger cities. Yeah, I definitely have seen it in the bigger cities, and where uh, I mean, basically, it's like uh, they they want to, as you say, it's a status symbol. You know, there's there's no doubt about this. It's a status symbol, and basically, it's a way that says, "Look at me, look at you. Like I'm better than you." So yeah, uh, San Miguel. Not really, because there's not there's uh, there are chains here, but they're not typically the WalMarts, the Costco's. But they got they out here. It's not that big, I guess. I mean, well, uh, but, but I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, not so much in San Miguel, but yes, I have seen it in other Mexican cities. So, so, so the difference is when you're way off the Gringo Tourist Trail in a bigger t- city, in a bigger town, bigger area like that, um, you can uh, shop with the locals, go to their big markets and stuff, and you're gonna be paying a quarter. Of- Fifth, a sixth of what you're paying in the states for that stuff. I mean, it's yeah. just so ridiculously cheap. However, if you want to shop at Walmart and you want to shop at Costco, go ahead. You're gonna pay. It's not gonna be as fresh, obviously, because it's a kind of a packaged produce store. You know, the stuff comes when it comes, and it's you know, it's like it is in the states. If you want to go there and shop with the wealthier Latins, that's what you're gonna see. You're not gonna see the common people. You do not hardly ever see indigenous people in Walmart or Costco because the prices are just way too high. They they could never afford that kind of stuff on their on what they make. You know. And uh, so uh, the real smart gringos are just the practical ones. They find the big local market and they love it because it's uh, like it's being grown locally. You know, it's uh, got minimal pesticides and a lot of it's really organic, but they can't label it like that because in order to be labeled organic, you got to go to an organic uh uh, you got to get the organic seal of approval from an organization. You have to wait. You have to have pay money to have it analyzed. They're not going to do that. You know, people growing. I agree. You know, so so you can look at this stuff and say, man, this is unnaturally huge. I mean, you see an avocado that's as big as your head, right? <laughs> you think, hey, how to get that? How to get that way? Well, that's because they've got four growing seasons down here. There's no frost, so they've got like a, a, a kind of a climate that you can only dream about in the states. So everything you see is like supersized, <laughs> yeah. not because of growth hormones either. You know. Yeah. Same with the meat, by the way. The, the, the meat is You know, they do not have like uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, cattle factories where they pen them in, and that they're all. If you drive through the countryside, you see they're all kind of leisurely chewing the, the the foliage around. They've got a lot of yeah. land, and, the, and even the chickens. There are some fat, you know, chicken factory kind of things like uh, like Tyson's and all that. Because well, chickens the not the the food of choice down here. But if you go to the local markets, you can buy you know the so-called driveway chickens, or they call them the chickens de campo, or they call them you know like uh, and there's a name for them I forgot patio chickens, right? They call them chickens de patio. That's those are the ones that are just pecking around in the backyard, and the locals will bring them in and slaughter them, and you know, buy them right in the market, right? Uh, yeah. As opposed to the Tyson chickens and all that that you buy at Costco. So it's just yeah. a, just a, so there's a lot of difference. You just have to be a little bit smart about what you do, and you're going to get. Believe it, you're gonna you're gonna just love it. And most people who come down here, Americans anyway, I see, uh, they're not coming down here as 20 years olds or 18 year olds. They're coming as 40 and 50 and 60 year olds, you know, and they want to have a better life. And they mostly have a lot of uh, personal problems, physical problems. They're coming down with arthritis. They're coming down overweight. They're coming down with back problems. And most every one of them tells me after a year down here, following that correct plan and going to the big markets and buying not at Costco and all that. Uh, they lose automatically start losing weight and they automatically feel better and some of them actually lose some of those problems the diabetes and all that goes away automatically because you just on a better cleaner healthier diet better air no chemtrails whatever you know yeah i agree and uh, often most people uh 
don't understand, uh, you know, how heavily processed uh, a lot of a lot of the food is in the U.S. and uh, and and as you say, you know, that's where the lag time effect plays in, because uh, I mean, uh, you know, speaking specifically to Mexico, uh, the only problems that uh, that there is with Monsanto is with corn and with soy. But recently, uh, the Mexican government has banned soy, and then recently they have. Uh, at, at first, they put a ban, they lift the ban, now they put the ban back on when it comes to corn. But uh, when it comes to uh, the rest of the uh, the, vegetable, uh, the produce, uh, the grains, uh, the crops in uh, Mexico, uh, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not GMO. You know, you know, people, uh, uh, there is no uh, uh, big uh, transnational corporation outside of Monsanto that's trying to penetrate uh, Mexico because Mexico has been very resistant uh, to the idea. So, uh, so yeah, just you know. Just kind of, just kind of underlying and highlighting what you said, and it definitely helps to build a relationship with your farmer. As we come to a close. I know that it's probably too late, you know, you know, for the expat wisdom seminar by the time we air this episode. But perhaps you could talk about the July, the seminar in July, and then how people can follow you. Yeah, you know, for the last five years anyway, I've been giving a couple of seminars a year where people come down, usually from the States, all over, they're from all over the world. I've had people come from China and Germany and, you know, Russia even, you know. Uh, they come down and I guide, I do a hand-holding boots-on-the-ground tour for a week. Uh, I take them, during the mornings I do seminar uh, from like 8 till noon and then afternoon we, we, hit the, we hit the road. We go to see First World Universities, we go to see a lot of my expat friends who are huge successes and came down with nothing they came down as backpackers and now they're millionaires and we and we go through factories i take you to first world hospitals i show you insurance plans i, I mean I, I give you a head start and a fast track on how to come down here and, and kind of skip the first two years of spinning your wheels like most gringos do when they come down here and they don't have something like that you make a lot of mistakes you you, you take two steps forward and maybe two steps back sometimes so I, what I'm trying to do is give you a head start and kind of help you avoid all the pitfalls that a lot of gringos make when they come down trying to be expats. So that, you know, the easy stuff, it kind of gets you over the hump. So uh, and then so in the afternoon, we, we have the, the group sessions. We go to uh, um, some of the, we do a huge real estate tour. I know, I'm never trying to sell anything. I don't try to sell real estate. I don't sell anything. That's the way I present my package all the time. I'm not like international living or any of these other, I don't take you to my vivid area and say, okay, now these lots are available for sale. No, no, I show you the good, the bad, and I, the ugly, and I, show, I tell you, uh, you know, how to kind of, how gringos can really make a fantastic life for themselves. And I uh, also show the, you know, I, I take you to uh, a, a lawyer's um, convention and we talk to some Latin lawyers. You get to talk and uh, communicate with them about your concerns, help you, well, because you do need things when you come down here besides just living in house. You have to, uh, you know, set up your residency, which in a lot of cases can lead to a passport. You'll want to open bank accounts. You'll want to maybe get an SA corporation, which helps you protect and, uh, and uh, not avoid taxes, but you know there are ways to knock your tax bill down to almost For nothing sure. down here, legal ways, and we show you those too. We show you those too. So, so when you come to one of my seminars, um, which I give a couple times a year, that I'm giving one, it's probably going to, you know, like he said, like Colin said, it's probably going on right now while you're listening to this. It's in January, early January. The next one will be in July. 
providing you know one of the big tipping points in stage doesn't have another we don't have another blowout another economic blowout so as long as things kind of chug along i'll have another one in july great great and uh how how can people uh, follow you and also learn more about the seminar johnny yeah um you can just go my my uh my flagship station is uh, prn as progressive radio network uh in new york and that's uh you just have to look up prn.fm. It's an easy way to look at it. Or you can look at the expat files. That's me. That's the name of my show. Expat files living in Latin America. You just stick that in Google or your search engine, and uh, you'll find all my episodes there. Or you can find me on podbean.com too. I can. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on a lot of different places. And uh, I have a website that I'm. I'm sharing a website with. One of, another expat, one of my early expats that came down to one of my first seminars, and he's down here, uh, um, just, just easy expert, expat in Guatemala now, John Galt, and the, the website is www.thenewexpat.com. You'll find my shows there, too, and some really cool blogs. And if you go there, I, you'll hear me announce when my seminars are and how to, to uh, find the sign-up sheets and everything. So all I used to do is just listen to any of my shows, and I'll, I talk about Awesome. Them. Johnny, thanks for being our guest. Colin, it was my pleasure. Huh? Hope we can do it again. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist as seen in Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.